evangelist, and I'd like to welcome you to One Month to Better Third-Party Management. This month's podcast series is sponsored by Opus. Opus helps free your business from the complexity and uncertainty of managing the risks associated with your customers, vendors, and third parties. By combining the most innovative third-party risk management and know your customer compliance SaaS platforms with unparalleled data solutions, Opus turns information into action so your business can thrive. Opus solutions include the Hyperos ABAC Accelerator, the leading platform for third-party risk management. To learn more, go to www.opus.com. Opus is an appropriate sponsor for this month as I'm focusing on third parties the third-party risk management process. Over the next couple of weeks, I'll be looking at the management of third parties after the contract is signed. We're going to take a look at auditing, (coughs) relationship management, training, continually monitoring and updating your own third-party program. This is an incredibly important month on my one-month series this year, and I'm sure that you will garner some new techniques that you can incorporate directly into your third-party risk management program. This is Tom Fox. Thank you very much for listening. Day 8, the how question in due diligence. What is satisfactory due diligence under the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act? That question seems to be more important now after the release of the Panama Papers and the revelations involving unit oil. However, both of these events largely focused on the who part of due diligence and the need to know whom you are doing business with going forward. However, there is another important question which does not come up enough, or rather as often in due diligence, and that is how. How does a particular third party perform its services with or for your company? <clears throat> if the third party is on the sales side of things, how a third party can help you How can that third party help you make sales? If a third party comes through your supply chain, how do their products or services meet the needs of your company? If the third party has a closer business relationship, such as a joint venture, teaming agreement, or other similar arrangement, you may well need a deeper understanding of how this third party does business because the relationship may well become so close you will be intertwined with the third party. It may mean more than simply does how does their product work, but how does this third party conduct themselves and their business? These questions beyond simply who were made clear in the Theranos Walgreens kerfuffle. Turns out that Walgreens had left a gap by never fully validating Theranos's startup technology or thoroughly evaluating the technology's capabilities. The clear message is if you're going to partner with a technology company, which is going to change your business model, you best make sure that that third party's technology works. Moreover, if a potential JV partner refuses to show you its technology, how it keeps records, its financials relating to the products or services you are contracting for, and generally tries to hide from you the very thing that you are buying into, you should not walk but run away from the deal. The lack of steps and missteps by Walgreens when entering into its partnership with Theranos and how those actions caused Walgreens to reconsider its $50 million investment in Theranos as something that will never recoup have caused Walgreens reputational damages and potentially subjected Walgreens to civil liability. 
The relationship obviously is in tatters, making Walgreens an extreme case study of what can go wrong when an established company that craves growth decides to gamble on an exciting and unproven startup. One might thinking the think that if you were investing in a technology company that provides medical testings, the investor would want to see the laboratory where the testing is performed. turns out that Walgreens representatives were never allowed to tour, let alone review the lab where the results were of the now infamous Theranos pinprick blood tests were run. A Walgreens consultant who was sent to Theranos to do quality data review said it was a very strange situation indeed. The results were actually really good but I was never allowed to go into the lab. I have no idea, I have no idea that the results I saw were run on Theranos devices or not. He went on to say he's been led to believe that they were being run on Theranos devices. But once again, no Walgreens representatives were allowed to review or view the Theranos labs. Interestingly, when Theranos did provide test results to Walgreens representatives, they came back with low and high values rather than numeric values. As a result, Walgreens couldn't compare test results from Theranos machine to any commercially available tests. Once again, this is something that Walgreens should have sought additional information on as it was a huge red flag. Yet when Walgreens consultants assisting the company in evaluating Theranos and the proposed transactions voiced up and wrote up their concerns, they were not passed along to Walgreens management. In a report Later, in 2011, the consultants concluded Walgreens needed more information to assess the partnership. Those findings and reports by other consultants were kept from Walgreens officials, including some directly involved in the negotiation with Thanos. Walgreens made another classic mistake in its due diligence process. They took comfort when a competitor was allegedly considering a similar venture with Theranos. Some Walgreens executives were comforted when Theranos said Safeway, Inc., had agreed to host blood testing sites at some of its supermarkets. If Safeway trusted Theranos, then Walgreens' attitude was it could as well. How often have you heard that some other company is considering or has approved a third party through due diligence, and that decision was based on the alleged action of an alleged other party who was going to do business with that third party? Walgreens further hamstrung itself from managing the relationship after the contract was entered into by signing, by agreeing to contract terms that prevented it from auditing or even viewing Theranos' clinical data or financial records. Finally, and perhaps most damningly, there was a complete lack of communications between the two companies about the issues which have bedeviled Theranos. Walgreens shelved expansion plans after the Theranos fraud broke. In most FCPA cases, the companies understand the need to know who they conduct they contract with for sales or vendor-related issues. They also understand the need to know why companies should do business with a proposed third party, particularly through the business justification. However, they need to perform an investigation into how that third party can actually deliver what they are contracted to and why that is equally important as the who question. Moreover, even with robust due diligence, there are additional steps a company must engage in to properly manage third parties. Most compliance practitioners believe that compliance terms and conditions should be a part of every contract, and there's really no debate that an audit clause and a material breach of contract provision should be included. The Walgreens imbroglio around Theranos points out why such clauses are mandatory. If you do not have them, 
you do not have the ability to verify what you may or may not have been told in due diligence. Finally, bringing, excuse me, managing the relationship after the contract is signed is where the rubber hits the road. If you only obtain a due diligence report and insert compliance terms and conditions, you will have done nothing to test whether the third party is performing or it as it has agreed to under the terms of the contract. So what are the three key takeaways for the day? Well, the first one, of course, really relates to the title of uh, today's episode, which is <clears throat> the how question can be as critical as the who question. How a company or third party does business with or for you can go a long way towards telling you whether that's someone you want to be partnered with. Number two, the more integrated a third party is into your operations, the more important this question becomes. I had a client who was a railroad company, and they uh, were so intertwined with the corporation that built their engines that they had engineers on staff uh, at the uh, manufacturing facility. They had engineers involved in the manufacturing process. They were intimately involved with the manufacturing process. Now, of course, this was because the engines were so critical to the operation of the railroad. Nevertheless, the more integrated a third party is with your operations, the more important the how question becomes. And finally, number three, incorporate a how question into not only your due diligence, but also your ongoing monitoring and auditing after the contract is signed. Even if Walgreens had made the uh, uh, mistakes that they made with Theranos, if they'd had the ability to monitor or audit on the back end after the contract was signed, it certainly could have saved them much of the grief that they've come to since that time. This is Tom Fox. Thank you very much for listening to day eight of one month to better third-party management, and I hope you'll join me tomorrow for day nine. This is Tom Fox. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of One Month to Better Third-Party Management. If you've listened to this podcast on iTunes, I would greatly appreciate it if you would rate this podcast as it will help our rankings and help us get the words out on this most unique podcast series in compliance. Also, if you have any questions, please feel free to email me at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. This is Tom Fox. Thank you very much for listening to today, and I hope you will listen tomorrow on another episode of One Month to a Better Third-Party Manager. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.